stepped away on this holiday weekend, but I'm really glad some of you stayed back and came to church today. It would have been lonely without you. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 is where we are. And the Bible says in verse 1, For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you that it was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so, we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God's witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of of God ye are witnesses and God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that you would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory I want you, if you would please, to go back near the end of verse 11, where the Apostle Paul, again, as far as we know, he was not a a father in a physical sense, yet teaching this church of, of ministry and how he did it and how it was to be done, he uses an analogy, and near the end of verse 11, he says, you know, it's kind of like a father, as a father. And uh, I want us to think of that today. I think we've gained an understanding, the interpretation. He's writing to a church about ministry. But since he uses family as an object lesson or an example, I think there's some truths that we can take home today in a literal sense. Our Father, we're very grateful for your love for us, for the privilege and joy we have of being in this place. And we ask you now to open our hearts so that we may learn and grow. God, we're not here today just to gain more knowledge. I pray that by your spirit we would uh, gain wisdom as we apply your knowledge. May we do what we learn. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Lisa and I absolutely love being parents. We love our children. We love being with them. I've got two daughters. One of them sang right over here today. And, and uh, we couldn't be more thankful for them and proud of them. And, and that we've absolutely loved and do love being parents. We loved when our girls were little babies. Uh, I didn't mind it at all. I've heard of some dads that think, well, I don't do babies, you know. And i got to tell you, I did. I was all in. I was glad to be a part. We loved when they were babies. We loved when they were little girls and went through all those different phases. We loved when they were in high school. And I may have complained about it once or twice, running around to all the games. But looking back, man, those were some of the funnest times in my life. We loved when, when they were in high school. And uh, then the day came where they needed to leave our house to go 
to college, and that was kind of a bittersweet. Uh, I remember the day Jessica left. Lisa and I were standing on the curb. She had to leave a little early. She was playing volleyball for the college she attended and had to get there a few days early. And uh, as, as she drove away, Lisa and I stood there on the curb, and we said all our goodbyes, and we prayed together, and she got in her little car, just absolutely packed with all her stuff. And, and she drove away, and Lisa and I stood there. I had my arm around Lisa. She had her arm around me, and we just stood there in silence one minute, two minutes, three minutes. She's gone now. We're just standing there. Uh, we didn't know what to do, what to say. Uh, she pulled away, and we're standing there, uh, proud of her, heartbroken all at the same time. And uh, then we saw our little car pull back in our neighborhood, and we thought, hey, she couldn't leave us. She's back, you know. And, and she rolled up and rolled her window down. She said, I forgot my cell phone. Can one of you get it for me? You know, we found out she didn't miss us like we were missing her already. I remember when Julie left, and uh, oh, man, you know, the youngest, that was hard. And uh, I remember she pulled away, and I went in the little office I have at home, and I sat on a couch, and I sat there and I started thinking and reminiscing and then I looked at some pictures before I knew it uh, My eyes were leaking. I don't know what was going on. My eyes were leaking and uh, some time went by and I thought I wonder what Lisa's doing I went and she was cleaning the garage. We all grieve in different ways, don't we? So she's cleaning the garage I'm sitting in my office in the dark now crying and and uh, so we were sad that uh, our kids uh, Grew to the point that they left, but we knew all along. That's how it was supposed to be If our kids never left uh, would have felt as though maybe we didn't do an appropriate job preparing them for that next stage of life. It's just part of it. I, I read some wise words one time that says this. If you love something, set it free. If it comes back to you, it is yours. If it doesn't, it never was. But if it just sits in your living room, messes up your stuff, eats your food, takes your money, and doesn't appear to realize that you've set it free, either you've married it or you gave birth to it. Okay. <laughs> Shakespeare one time said there is truth in jest and I think that uh, that statement that poem I, I think it's humorous, but I think there can be some truth in it. It resonates with us for that reason I've said many times I love being a dad and I've said many times that I love being a pastor And I want to share with you today and don't get offended yet I'll explain this but I think one reason I love being a dad and I love being a pastor is there really are some similarities between the two Ministry and parenting are are very very similar and, and what I mean by that is this I believe parental leadership and I believe leadership within the context of a church It's the purest form of leadership in all of the world. I Can't fire a church member I can't fire a child it's not like corporate leadership or, or military leadership where you carry a pretty big stick and in your back pocket as a leader in those environments, you, you always have the threat of, of doing something like that to someone. But leadership at home, leadership in the context of the church, it's all about a heart that's right. It's about lovingly leading people. It's a unique form of leadership. And when it's done right, lives are changed Forever. It's not about a bottom line or an objective. It's lives that are changed forever. I believe ministry at home and ministry at church are very similar, and I was not the first one to make this observation. The Apostle Paul does the same thing in this passage. And in reference to Paul's ministry leadership, he said in verse 11, as a father doth his children. That word as, it, it might be since uh, or, or similarly. He's, he's saying, you know, it's, it's analogous to fatherhood, to parenting. There are some parallels between the two. So it's in this context that we find some help today. It's help that I believe we all need. It's help that can lead us to live a life of leadership that leaves people in our lives better because of their proximity 
to us. Our influence will benefit and bless them. Now, as Paul goes through this passage, he, he shares what a godly and loving leader looks like and what they act like. It is both philosophical and it is practical. Now, it is not an all-consuming list, if you would, but it certainly gets to the heart of it all. And uh, in, in verse 3 and 4, we get the beginning of this. And if you're following along today, I'd like to share the first thought with you. If you'd like to jot this down, it may help you at home or anywhere else you want to be an influence for the Lord. Number one, accept the responsibility of influencing others. Accept it. Accept the responsibility of influencing others. Now, as I said, in verses 3 and 4, we get the gist of this. And the Bible says, therefore, our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Now the interpretation refers here to sharing our faith. We've been put in trust with the gospel. But there's an application to a life that helps others to succeed that uh, uh, is seen as a calling. Paul said, I've, I've been allowed of God. This is something that God has given me to do. And friends, when we have been put in trust with the role of leadership, uh, we, we need then to understand that that has to begin at home. From a ministry or church context, we understand that Paul's calling led him to do his best for others. Catch this, because that's what God would have him to do. As a parent, we had to do our best for our children because we love our children. Well, well, yes, that's a part of it, but the bigger picture is because that's what God would have us to do. We're to lead and influence and help and encourage because that's what God would have us to do. Accept the responsibility of influencing others. It is sure that others helped Paul along the way. There's no doubt about that. But Paul had, a, had an understanding in missionary work. You know, if I don't do what I'm doing, it won't get done. This is something that I must do. So Paul accepted the mantle of leadership that God placed on him, and he served these people freely. And again, so it is at home. There may be many helpers and encouragers in the lives of our children, but no one in the world uh, can replace the role of a dedicated and loving parent who does for their children what God would have them to do. We must accept the responsibility. Now, the responsibility is so important that when God laid out the qualifications for a pastor, listen to what it is we read in his word. A pastor, she said, it must be one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knoweth not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? God takes our, our family lives very seriously. Folks, I'm telling you today that we can succeed in business and hobbies and in other relationships, but if we relegate or delegate or abdicate our parental responsibilities, we will have missed the mark when it comes to our family lives. And if you are wondering today, if you have been called to be an influencer over children, go home after church, and if there are any children in your household, you've been called by God. It's on you. Be the influencer that God would have you to be. Children are a gift from the Lord. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 127 and verse 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. Nothing will lead us from a life of self, selfishness, to a life of service 
like understanding that this is the life that God would have us to lead. lead. Yes, it begins at home, but beyond that, when we bring that heart to church, it'll change our church. When we bring that heart to our jobs, it'll change our, our workplace. We've, we've been called by God to be the positive influencers that he would have us to be. Here's the second thought I'll share with you today. Number two, acknowledge the reason for informing others. Acknowledge the reason. And I'm telling you today, motive matters. Motive matters. Paul breaks his thought down in the second part of verse 4 and into verse 6. In verse 4 he wrote, Even so, we speak not as pleasing men, but God. He said, let, let me tell you why we're doing what we're doing here. It's, it's certainly not to please people. We're seeking to please God. Later in verse 6, he said, Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others. And so Paul was saying he did what he did, not for the praise or acceptance of those he served. Paul did what he did for God. And that reality helps us in our relationships at home and, and everywhere else. You see, the best question to ask when it comes to parenting or leadership in general is, what would God have me to do in this situation? I'm not doing what I'm doing so that I can have little kids that are robotic and people will look at me and say, what a great parent that guy is. Look at their kids. They do everything just right. No, that's a poor motive. We, we want to say, God, what would you have me to do and make sure that we're pleasing him? It always saddens me when I hear of a child whose parents did not accept that responsibility and provide the love and acceptance needed. We've all met young people. Our country, our world is filled with young people today that really don't know the joy of, of a mom and a dad that love him and provide for him and, and care for him. I mean, uh, really, we have so many problems in our nation today, and, and a lot of it goes back to the, the family and the disintegration of the home. And it always breaks my heart when I, when I meet a young person and get to know a little bit of the background, and, and their testimony is, you know, my parents really aren't interested or involved in my life at all. That always breaks my heart. Let me tell you what else breaks my heart. I, I also have a heart that breaks when I see families that are child-centered it's all built around the children it's it's not done necessarily for the lord it's it's exclusively for the children let me explain to you what i mean by this there's a new expression being used today it's helicopter parents i heard that expression i thought i knew what it meant but i thought i'll look it up in the urban dictionary to find out if i can get a deeper definition helicopter parents these are parents that take an overprotective or excessive interest in the life of their child or children and friends i'm telling you today the kids who are essentially idolized or worshiped gain a warped view of life it does not help them to succeed it puts within them the seed of victimhood and it prohibits them from moving forward in life if you want your children to do well don't build a home that is child-centered have a home that is christ-centered where everything you do goes right back to the lord and you'll find that in time you'll have children that will embrace faith in christ and seek to follow the lord as well that's that's how God would have us to move forward. I heard a story of a man who visited the United States, and when he got home, his friend said, what was it like over there? He said, you know, the thing that impressed me most about America is how well the parents obey their children. <laughs> Sometimes this works out well. I've seen many young children being, bring their parents to church. They get invited to a vacation Bible school or something like that. And if that's you today, I'm glad it worked out that way. I've seen a lot of young children, they'll, they'll get interested in spiritual things and kind of hit that time in life. And, and so the kids end up bringing uh, the, the parents to church. But I've seen many times where they'll grow up in those teen years and those same kids will lead the parents right out. 
It's not what would God have us to do. It's I wonder what the kids would have us to do. It's the wrong way to do it. I've lived by a principle as a dad. It's probably not original to me, but I, I wouldn't know who to give credit to for this thought. But long ago, uh, this mantra that, that I've lived by as a father is say yes every time you possibly can. Because there are so many times you just have to say no. So with our girls as they were coming along, if it was possible, the answer was always yes, because I knew as a dad there were going to be those times I was going to have to just say no. And sometimes that no wouldn't even come with an explanation so I'd say yes every time I could. And you know, it's not easy to say no to a child, but the reason for saying no to a child is not to please or displease them. It's because that's what you believe God would have you to do. And sometimes God says no. I was thinking about this and how hard it is, and I thought in my mind about a story that Jesus told one time. And wasn't Jesus just a master storyteller? The story I'm thinking of came from Luke 15. We sometimes call it the story of the prodigal son. And every time I say that, I say it would be better named the story of the loving father. But in that story, we have a son that essentially tells his dad, I wish you were dead. He said, I want my inheritance, which is kind of another way of saying, I wish you were dead. He totally rebelled. And uh, his, his father gave him some of that inheritance. And, and he went off and his life just, man, it fell to pieces. And he did everything wrong you could do and was, was at the end of his rope. Now, uh, listen, I just want you to think with me. Do you think when that son rebelled and ran from the loving father, do you think it broke the father's heart? I, I'm sure it did. Do you, do you think the father prayed for his son? I, I'm sure he did. Do you think as his son was living in rebellion, the father sent money and well wishes and did all he could to help perpetuate that life of chaos that his son was living in? No, he did not. He did not. He had no interest in resourcing a life that was contrary to that which is right. But in Luke 15 and verse 20, we read this, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. When this young man finally came to his spiritual senses and went home, what did he find? He find a dad that every day was standing out there with a heart broken for a son, thinking about him, praying for him, wanting to welcome him home. And, and when that son finally came to the end of himself through that tough love, if you would, he came home to a father that embraced him and said, I'm glad you're back. I love you. And, and they, they had a great celebration celebration sometimes that's the role we fulfill as godly parents and i know that because the father in that story is a picture of god the father his love is everlasting he always shows the right way and he does say no when we get off the right path and he never rewards sinful behavior and it is it is that steadfastness that often prompts us to return to that which is right if you want to be an effective parent or an influencer for God, study your Bible and discover how God leads. And as we do for our kids, as God would have us to do, we'll see his wisdom impact our lives as well as theirs. That leads to the third thought I'll share with you this morning. Number three, accept the reward in informing others. Accept the reward in informing others. Now let's listen again to verses seven and eight. If you're still with me, say amen. Talk about family, you always get a reaction one way or the other. Here's a third thought. Accept the reward in informing others. Now let's get back to verses 7 and 8 where the Bible says, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. 
Some people get an idea of leadership that it's you know, some abrasive thing. You raise your voice, you get angry. And uh, I, I, Listen, we never reserve the right to get angry when we're dealing with our children. Paul said, you know, and by the way, Paul was a strong leader. He said, you know, if you want to learn something about my leadership, he said, I was gentle with you, you know, kind of like a nurse taking care of her children. He said, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Again, the context here was serving others within the church, but, but today an application can be made to children and others that we want to lead so that they can know the joy of, of being a part of that which God would have them to do, and we can then understand our joy for having been an influence to help them do that which is right. Paul, Paul said he would have given his own soul to help them. And I think that just about every parent can relate to that. Many of you know John and Jen. John serves on our staff here. And uh, uh, they're just great people. I love them both. They got a couple great kids, and and uh, well, one's good. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. They're both pretty good. And and at any rate, uh, their daughter Carmen, a couple months ago, she broke her arm, and it was a bad break. And uh, it wasn't just like put it in a cast. She had to have surgery and the whole thing. And and it was just heartbreaking, you know. See a little kid, and and uh, uh, Carmen, man, she's just a petite little thing. And I mean, my heart was breaking for her, and and John's heart as a dad was even more so. And, and you know, he said to me, he said. You know, Pastor, I'd do anything if I could just trade places with her. You know, I didn't have to say, John, can you elaborate on that? What exactly do you mean? I have no idea what you're trying to convey. What exactly is it that you're saying? No, I didn't have to say that at all. As a dad, I keyed right in on that. I knew exactly what he's saying because I felt that way many times myself when my kids were hurting. Uh, when you love others, you'd say, you know, uh, I would do anything if I could to change this situation you're going through to remove the pain that you're enduring. There's nothing easy about being a parent or an influence in the lives of others. But when it is in your heart, you know how blessed you are to be a part of their lives. Let me tell you something. It is wonderful in life to be loved. It's wonderful but it's equally wonderful in life to love to fully love another we spend so much time trying to figure out how can i get people to care for me let me tell you there's every bit as much joy in life and just saying i'm going to love others and care for others uh, that that's what it's all about I, I agree with jesus who said it's more blessed to give than to receive and if you've ever loved a child or you've ever really loved someone you're seeking to help for the lord you know how blessed you are to have the honor of speaking into their lives you know, it's actually a bit intimidating to consider, but I want you to know for everyone in this room that there is someone in your life and you're one of the biggest influencers to them, if not the biggest. There is someone on planet Earth who's listening to you and watching you and what you say matters so much. The direction you set matters so much. The encouragement you give, unlike encouragement they may receive from others, it's actually received and believed. And what a gift we have to be blessed with the privilege of serving others for Jesus' sake. And we need to see this as the rewarding experience it is. It's not a drudgery, something I gotta do. It's absolutely a privilege given by god that leads to the fourth thought i'll share with you today i want to encourage you to act on the requirement of inspiring others it's a requirement let's look again to verses 10 to 12 paul said you are witnesses and god also now i'm going to read on but paul was so emphatic in this whole passage he said you guys know what i'm telling is true 
mean, he didn't say it once. He, he said it multiple times. You know. And he said, in case you forgot, God knows how I behaved myself, how I conducted myself. Ye are witnesses in God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that ye would walk worthy of God who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. Paul said, as a father, like a dad, I sought to influence and inspire you, he said, to walk worthy of God. But in the midst of that, he was able to say, ye are witnesses. He said, ye know how we exhorted and comforted. In other words, he was saying this, that his life backed up his message. He wasn't hypocritical. He was not duplicitous. He said, you guys know, and God does too. I sought to make sure that my message and my manner came together as one. Think of that. Now, every influencer for God needs to understand the value that our example serves in raising up a generation for God. Being a godly example is absolutely a requirement if we hope to inspire others as the Lord would have. Our words must be accurate, but at the end of the day, our actions carry a weight that our words do not. If you tell your kids, don't lose your temper, don't be selfish, don't, don't say those things, don't call people names, and then they see those same attributes in our lives, we have just undercut everything we've said with our words by our lifestyle that doesn't match. I had a birthday a while back, and I'm sure it happened before, but for whatever reason, it hit me that day. I've saved all these little things my girls have given me over the years, you know, and, and uh, reading this card. And, and both of them made the same statement in the card, each a separate card. They both made the same statement. Uh, it was something to the effect of, Dad, thanks for all that you've done for me. And it just struck me, for whatever reason, neither of them said, Dad, thanks for all the stuff you've said to me. Now, how many of you are pretty sure I've said some really good things over the years to my daughters, huh? I would hope I said something that made some semblance of sense. But at the end of the day, when they reflected on my influence in their lives, what did they say? Dad, thanks for what you did. Thanks for what you did. I'm not discouraging saying those things that are right, but I'm, I'm telling you, our actions often speak louder than our words. There is a requirement for leadership, and it is not perfection. It's sincerity. It's honesty. Kids can sniff out a phony quicker than anyone. Listen, I'm telling you, a kid's uh, personality, they say, is shaped by the age of five. And, and I'm telling you, before they get to the age of ten, they've already figured out if you're serious about the things of God or not. You're not fooling them by playing in the things of God. Sincerity. There's an author I enjoy who was sharing one of his books that I read he was raised in the home of a pastor but just unsure about the things of God and grown a little bit older and had yet to trust the Lord and as he shared his testimony he said one day they were having the Lord's Supper in their church and as the father asked everyone to bow their heads to pray for whatever reason that day he didn't bow his head he just stared at his dad and he said he watched his dad pray and he listened to the words that he said and he said that that day he literally thought he really believes this stuff he really, truly believes this stuff. He, he wrote, he, 
really believes when he prays he's talking to someone. And he said it was that impression in his heart during that prayer that day that led to a conversation after that service where he finally did trust Jesus as his Savior. Listen, his dad had said many things over the years, but it was in that moment of authenticity he could just sense the heart of a father and thought, you know, there's something to this. And that led to another conversation, but it was, it was a praying father that touched his heart. You know, the Apostle Paul one time said in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Parent, leader, let me ask you today, could you say to those that you lead, hey, follow me, because I'm following Jesus. And as you follow me, you'll be following him. That was the heart of the Apostle Paul. There are lessons over the years I've tried hard to teach my daughters and I've wanted to be as sincere and real as I possibly could with them. But I came to understand that one of the greatest lessons I would have to teach my daughters was how to say at times, I'm sorry. Not just I'm sorry, but will you forgive me? You see, perfect people can't teach a lesson like that. There have been times I've had to come to them and say, you know, what I said, what, what I said, what I did, how, how I acted, it was not right, it was wrong. I own that, I acknowledge that, and I'm sorry for what I've done, and I need your forgiveness. I've told them before, I want to be the follower of Jesus that I need to be so that you can follow my example. And in so doing, you'll learn to be more like Jesus. Oh, friends, there's a requirement. I'm glad to tell you today it's not perfection. Some of you parents need to just stop beating yourselves up. Maybe what you need to do is sit down with a kid or if you're a leader, an influencer for the Lord, sit down with someone and just say, you know, I've got to be honest with you. What I did there it was just wrong. I see it, God sees it, you see it, I own it, I'm sorry for what I've done, will you forgive me? You know, an honest leader like that will many times go further in their leadership than someone that just wants to cover everything up and act like nothing happened. You say, how do, re how do I recover when I haven't done it right as a leader? You own it! I don't like the taste of crow, but I've eaten enough crow over the years, I've learned how to get it down. Because there's a requirement. And it's the sincerity of life. When I was growing up, our family lived in Korea for a while, and I, I love Korea. To this day, I love Korea. And uh, I remember one time our family was on vacation. It was down in the south, and Korea's changed, as you can imagine, in amazing ways since I lived there. At that time, there were still thatch-roofed huts and you know, kind of looked like a set of mash or something. You know? And uh, our family was on vacation. It was a little house uh, down by the beach. And I don't recall what occasioned all of this, but I've got two brothers and a sister. And for some reason, they had to be gone for the last few days of our vacation. I needed to get back to school early for sports or something like that. So my dad left and took them. And it was just me and my mom. And uh, some of you have met my mom. Just how blessed am I? She's just the best, the best. And um, as it turned out, there was a typhoon blowing through the Red Sea and Yellow Sea, forgive me, and uh, it, it took a turn at the last, and so now here's me and my mom in this remote spot in a little 
more like a cabin. And uh, there's typhoons blowing in, hurricane. And so I remember my mom going out there and putting shutters up on those windows, and the electricity went out, and it was just a really old place. They had these kerosene lanterns, and so we got the kerosene lanterns lit, you know. And, and uh, this went on for some time, and, and I was just bouncing off the walls. And uh, again, I wish I could remember because I'd love to give you the detail of the story, but mom said something like, don't do that one more time. And whatever that was, I did it one more time, okay? <laughs> and that's when my mom said, that's it, you're getting a spanking. And uh, I never got one time out in my whole life growing up, you know? I got a spanking. How many of you ever got a spanking before? And you lived? Good, all right. So I got a spanking, which was better than what my dad gave me. He gave me whoopings. Those were different, okay? So mom said, I'm going to spank you. My mom's a sweet lady, you know, just a, a petite woman, 5'2", you know. But man, when she got fired up, she, she could get the job done. And I needed it. And so uh, she said, I'm going to give you a spanking. And I remember in that moment, I'll never forget it, uh, the wind's howling. I'm sure, looking back now, my mom was probably terrified, you know. And I'm just a little kid bouncing off the walls. And... Uh, she said, it was time for me to get a spanking. And I said, no, mom, please. Well, I begged for mercy every time I got in trouble. It had never worked before. <laughs> but that night, my mom said, all right, I won't give you a spanking, but you're going to sit down and I'm going to teach you a word and what it means. She said, I'm going to teach you what grace means. It was a lot of years ago, and I haven't had a conversation with my mom in some time, but here I am as, as a full-grown man looking back to an occasion when I was a kid where my mom took an opportunity to say, son, listen, I'm going to teach you something right now. And that concept of grace, it shaped my life. I went through those teen years, and it wasn't as important as it should be, but when things started getting serious, it it came back, and if you've been a part of our church for any length of time, you know that we seek to be a grace-based church. And I don't know how it all works together, but I can tell you, as a guy closing in on 50 in a few years, I, I, I look back to a time where as a little boy with a storm raging, there was a mom that said, I'm going to use this as a teaching moment. I want to be a help to you in your life. Parents, I know it's tiresome. We've got a culture fighting against us. There's the world, there's the flesh, there's the devil. There's no more important force in your child's life than you, an authentic you following Jesus Christ, doing what you're doing, not to have a perfect kid that can go on and be rich and achieve the American dream. I could care less about the American dream. It's a nightmare for most people. I'm talking about parents who will say, God, this child's from you. It's a reward of the Lord. It's, it's a heritage of the Lord. And I want to do to this child what God would have me to do with the right heart for the right reasons. I want to be consistent. And I want my life to match my message so that they will go on and do what God would have them to do. Where would any of us be without those influencers along the way? I hear sometimes, Pastor, I didn't come from a perfect home. Listen, I didn't either. I don't tell the darkest of stories. None of us came from perfect homes, but it's great to know 
that we do have a gracious Father and He can give us what we need. And listen, as we receive His grace, we can know best how to share it with others so that they can go on for God. As a leader, when you feel you're at the end of yourself, I want you to know when God is the influencer in your life, you're going to find you have everything you need to be that influencer, leader, helper in the lives of others. Our Father, we're thankful today to be in church. We're thankful to open a perfect book and to discover from you how you would have us to live. God, I pray that you'd help us to be all in when it comes to being the leaders at home that you would have us to be and the leaders everywhere else we go. Lord, I pray that there would be a Christ-likeness 